Hello and welcome to another beautiful Friday on Speaking for Him. I'm Dan Van Zalen and here's your host, Andrew Gummison. Okay, I think we've done this at least once before, um, but we very rarely do this. Usually when I come into the studio for the podcast, I have reams of notes, or at least one re- one small ream of notes for <laughs> uh, each, well, at least a page for each podcast. But today, um, I uh, was kind of short on topics and materials, so I thought we'd open the mics for kind of a a free style discussion and see what happens. You kind of get a feel for some of the things that Dan and I talk about between shows a little bit, and hopefully we'll have some fun, but also maybe talk a little bit of seriousness along the way. I think um, what I want to do is start with the fun. Okay. And that is um, uh, Dan and I were just talking before we hit record here about the winter, the summer Olympics. I don't know why I said winter. We are in winter right now. Maybe that's, that's why. Probably it's on why. my brain. Uh, but the summer Olympics are coming to, I believe, Tokyo, Japan. Yes, it is Tokyo um, for 2020. In July, on, I think it's July 24th to August 7th or thereabouts. Might be a little bit longer than that. But, two or three uh, weeks. But I always enjoy watching the Olympics. So, first of all, before we get into the new sports, Dan, do you watch Olympic coverage? And if you do, do you have a favorite sport that you like to watch? I, in fact, do not watch Olympic coverage, mostly because the stuff that I would consider watching is either on super late at night or while I'm at work. Okay, so you have a legitimate point there. The one thing I've always thought that is interesting about the Olympics is they often will play stuff on the Olympic coverage for the U.S. coverage that is stuff that we can watch anytime. Yep. Like they will specialize in the USA basketball team, which is made up of NBA players who should win the gold every Olympics. They don't always win the gold. <laughs> they won a bronze a little while back. But it's very anticlimactic. I don't need to see um, every game of Olympic basketball because I know how they play in the NBA and I just don't need to see that. Um, <laughs> and then also one thing I was telling my uncle as well about Olympic coverage is that I feel like um, they need to have like NBC has a lot of different channels. So they need to devote a channel to just Olympics medal rounds because if if someone like Usain Bolt, who's the fastest man alive, is running on the track, I don't need to see his preliminary race. If he loses his preliminary race, then maybe I'll go back and watch it and figure out why. But I just want to see him win the gold medal. Nothing irritates me more than when they're showing preliminary coverage and I don't get to see someone win a medal or break a record because I'm waiting for the real thing to happen. <laughs> so give me a channel that is just gold medal, just just medal rounds of stuff. So I that actually, has to do with the scheduling of the actual games. Though. No, I, I know it does, but I also know that it, they like to show things on tape delay, which they shouldn't have to do. Because another thing they should do is have a twenty-four hour Olympic channel. NBC should have a twenty-four hour Olympic cable channel because we have twenty-four hour news. Why not twenty-four hour sports? I'm pretty sure they did that last about, Olympics. And think so. about how cool that would be 
for Olympic coverage. And maybe they did, and maybe I'll get a chance to experience it this year. But I'm just saying that needs to happen if it has not already. So I distinctly remember some of the games that I'd have liked to watch being on at 2 and 3 in the morning. Yes, exactly. Last couple Olympics. If you want to watch them live, yes. Yeah. But here's the irritating thing. Apparently, when they were in Atlanta, which is in our same time zone in 1996, I was watching the women's um, gymnastics team finals, uh-huh. which the U.S. was favored to win, and they did. But here's the funny part. My dad saw on the news that they had won, and we were downstairs watching coverage, and it was about a half an hour tape delay. So we're still watching the final few competitors and my dad runs downstairs and he's like the u.s won the gold and i'm like dad you should really warn a guy it's spoiled <laughs> that's the most major spoiler alert in the history of spoiler alerts spoiler spoiler <laughs> but anyway that's a, that's something i will never forget and i and i have to say with that being said that women's gymnastics one of my favorite things to watch in the Olympics. And oddly enough, I prefer not to watch the gymnastics. I actually watched, I actually went to an, to a show at the Manhattan arena with the gymnasts when they toured the U S after winning the gold. Nice. So, um, but I also like the track and field events. I think the decathlon is particularly cool because it's 10 events wrapped up in one. Yeah, that can be fun, but I normally don't get to see that one. Yeah, again, it's really hard to to sit down and watch just the ones you want. Like in the winter when they when they want to show me hours and hours of ice skating when I would like to see curling or it, talking about the summer I would like to see like um uh like uh, handball. I would like uh-huh. to see a, a match of handball, but they don't usually show that cuz they focus on other sports. Okay, with with that being said, we have a list in front of us that is new sports or returning sports that are coming to the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. Yes. So you want to start us off? Okay, first up is a brand new sport to the Olympics, but a very, very old sport in and of itself. It's karate! Which was originated in Okinawa during the Ryukyu Dynasty, and it is now in the Olympics. So it makes finally it makes sense that it would come in a Japanese Olympics. Then, well, they just happened to you know jump on it this time. It's been in the works for a while, I think. I know, but it it, it is kind of poetic justice. That it is because it did, it started in Okinawa, <laughs> and that's pretty nice. All right, next, and then after for whoops, sorry. For the next one, this coming in, skateboarding. Now, this one's interesting to me because I almost feel like they've had skateboarding before, but I think what I'm thinking of is the X Games or Possibly something like that. Possibly the X Games, but um, back when we were younger, you remember the Tony Hawk craze? Yes, yeah. He pretty much started his own like world-level mm-hmm. skateboarding competition yeah. and then that kind of evolved into x games and it so, got snowboarding so he, he kind of started it and then he dominated in it pretty much yeah so basically you should start a sport that you know you can dominate in <laughs> so well, if you want to make it into a big thing yes you better be able to dominate all right next and then after skateboarding the next newish one i think i'm pretty sure it's new sports climbing 
Now, this one sounds interesting to me because, again, uh, this is one of those things. And Well, another thing that's interesting is they will often have the cycling events or big events that are hard as a spectator to watch. Especially and, since they're normally long. And I feel like sports climbing would be one of those things that would just not lend itself to um, to to spectator sport. Now, if it was cliff diving. Except for there's the thing. <laughs> Sports climbing is going to be three disciplines, speed climbing, bouldering, and lead climbing. In speed climbing, it's going to be two people racing each other up a 15-meter wall. <laughs> now that one I want to see. Yes. <laughs> bouldering is, involves climbers without safety ropes individually trying to ascend as many of the fixed routes as they can on a four-meter high wall within four minutes. <laughs> so you got four minutes to do as much climbing as you possibly can. Okay, so the, the the timing elements of these ratcheted up. It's kind of yep. like the difference between the frugal gourmet of my childhood on PBS and Cutthroat Kitchen. Yeah, right. And so then lead climbing is uh, them trying to get as high as they can on a 15-meter wall in six minutes. So only the first, di first discipline you have unlimited time. It's yeah. whoever gets to the top of 15-meter wall first. The second two are not are limit time limited. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's gonna be interesting. That sounds like it would be really interesting. So, well, since it's a sport that literally anybody can do to an Olympic level, basically, I guess they're gonna have they're expecting a lot of people. Well, that was what was interesting about the Winter Olympics, the last Winter Olympics, when the when the guys curling team did so well. They were basically uh -huh. just a bunch of soccer dads who vaulted to fame because they, you know, medaled in the Olympics, and nobody really expected that from. Yeah, but hey, that's the great so, thing about the Olympics. If you manage to make the Olympic team, it doesn't matter where you came it, from. It is awesome. Okay, um, next. The next and very obviously has to be the Summer Olympics. It's surfing. Kawapunga, dude. Now, this is another one that's kind of surprising that it's taken this long to get to Olympic, uh, to get to Olympic competition because – there's been professional surfing for a long time, and a lot of and a lot of individual competitions. However, a lot of them tend to happen in Hawaii. Yes, during the surfing season, and it's kind of been a, a very American-dominated sort of thing. So, for a long I'm time. interested to know what other countries will be represented. I, I'm pretty sure that in order, and maybe you could you could Google this too. How many countries have to be participating for it to be an Olympic sport? You just type that into Google, we can probably get an answer. I believe it's seven, but I'm not 100% sure. I And I wonder if we'll have some of our professional surfers who are known for that competing. Like, it would be neat to see, like, Bethany Hamilton, the sole surfer, do some Olympic surfing. I think that would be kind of awesome. Let's see here. Let's see. Uh, it's not really saying. Although, mind you, the first Olympics, um, when they restarted it, only 14 countries participated. And oh, in 2016, uh, there was 206. That's that's quite a difference. Yep. So I can't find it offhand real quick. Sorry. Hey, Siri, how many people... Hey, Siri, how many countries have to participate in an event for it to get to the Olympics? 
Here's what I found. Mm. How are sports chosen for the Olympics? Let's try this. <laughs> okay. The IOC has to recognize you. Yeah, I think it's and... like seven or 14 countries have to vote for it. But that doesn't Let's say anything see. about participation. Incidentally, for the surfing, each heat will last 20 to 25 minutes. And four people will go at a time, depending on quality of waves. I'm not real sure. I'm not finding the answer to that either. If we find that answer, if I find that answer, I'll try to throw it up on the blog post for this post. Yep. For this podcast episode. So can you give us the next sport? Okay. Well, as surfing seems to be running on the standard competition rules, the next sports are those returning to the Olympics. That would be baseball and softball. Now, I really enjoyed watching the softball last time it was in the Olympics. That They were in the Olympics for a while. The U.S. is pretty strong. Baseball, I'm yep. not quite as sure about because we can watch that um, all summer long, every summer. Um, <laughs> and I'm also interested to know how it's going to affect the baseball season because I'm not sure if major leaguers will be allowed to compete or not. I would imagine that they would because it would be weird if major leaguers weren't allowed to, but professional basketball players could. That so, would be a little strange. I don't know how that's going to go. They might but, just take a recess for the Olympics. They might. That's what they do in the Winter Olympics for hockey. They take a like a 10-day break. So if you're not in the Olympics, you get a nice vacation. You bet. <laughs> um, all right, next. Those are the last two that they're oh, having. Uh, the, one, the one that you did not have on your list, which I have on mine, is three-on-three -three basketball. Now, this is something that I'm kind of excited about because much like beach volleyball, uh -huh. the U.S. has the opportunity to possibly dominate and win not one but three medals. Now, I don't know how good our teams are going to be. That's simply my hope is that they would be that good. So kind of like a, a more uh, professional-style macker tournament sounds like that's what they're going to do. And again... Seems they'll also have five-on-five five basketball. Well, yes. Five-on-five five is the typical yeah. Olympic basketball. So they'll have both. But the three-on-three three is essentially a new uh, sport in its own way. All right, so... In the winter, I thought it would help us to get through these winter blahs by thinking about the summer and how great it's going to be to watch these sports in the Olympic Games and to hopefully bring home a lot of gold medals for the U.S. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope that you guys will enjoy this podcast and look forward to these new sports with me. All right, on a more serious note, um, I heard this week that... Donald Trump signed an executive order bolstering the right of people to be able to pray in their schools. Now, it'd be easy to say, as some of the liberals have said, that you are targeting Christians and that you're against other faiths. But, but, I, but I think the reason that Donald Trump did this was because other faiths have been – their concerns have been recognized as legitimate and Christians have been maligned for praying. 
you know, teachers get in trouble for praying with students. Students get in trouble for leading Bible studies. They're not allowed to enact school, enact school clubs that have Christian basises. They're not allowed to, uh, in a lot of ways, carry their Bible on campus, even if, even if it's not a legal disallowed, it's a, it's an expectation that it's not allowed. And so schools often like to scare them into believing that it is not allowed. And so I, I really feel like that is the main impetus behind this. I don't feel like it's discrimination against other faiths because again, I feel like other faiths are always getting spotlight and getting place and time and, and ability to do the things that, that they want to do. It's not saying that you have to pray with them either. That's the nope. biggest uh, lie I think that gets perpetrated is that an atheist will say, well, if you pray to Jesus, that offends me. So therefore you shouldn't do that. But the reality is you don't have to pray to anybody if you don't want to, but infringing the tyranny of the few, having just a few atheists or people that don't appreciate prayer infringe on some, on a majority that do, for a coach, um, Coach Kennedy, a few years ago, to lose his job at a high school as a as a um, high school football coach because he led prayers on the field. I mean, that's kind of a ridiculous thing if you think about it. So I think all this is doing is reinforcing the rights of people to freely exercise their religion. Um, you know, people talk about free speech. And it's part of the First Amendment. That is true. But part of it is also not prohibiting the free exercise of religion. And so we need to remember that. Yep. There is some cause for concern, I think, in the fact of government-mandated funds. And the reason is because those same funds, if a godless president gets in, could be used for – um things that don't honor God. This is the same issue that I had with George W. Bush's faith-based initiatives. His goals were admirable, but I think anytime you take government funds, they can be twisted and misused. So if there's any concern on on this level about this particular issue, it's that, that, that any, any government funds given to a Christian organization would then simply be withdrawn when another candidate elevates another faith or or yep, puts yep. another group of people above them and says and says your faith is no longer legitimate these other faiths are so i think we need to um take it into context not overreact too much on either side but i rejoice that we have a president who cares to make these things known. And I, I think that, you know, people say that he pan, that he's pandering to the evangelicals. But let me just say this. From day one, I was concerned that he would pander and then would, would do a 180 and turn around and end up being a liberal Republican, otherwise known as a rhino, who didn't really care about conservative values. But as the days have passed, I've realized that he's been very consistent in promoting moral values, in doing things to help people. He has gone to other countries 
and sought the release of American prisoners in other countries and successfully negotiated it to bring them back to the U.S. And he has he has just done a whole lot of good on the conservative side of things. And I think after three years, it's kind of petty and foolish to continue to use the word pandering. Because I think <laughs> if, he was pan- if he was simply pandering to the electorate, he would have given up a long time ago. Oh, so yeah. I don't think he's perfect. I think he needs to stay off Twitter. Because <laughs> cause here's, here's the thing. Here's, here's one of the bottom line things. I feel like he has good thoughts. But when somebody says something he doesn't like, he immediately rifles off a response without thinking it through. His brain then, mouth filter is somewhat defective. Then he might come up with a better response to it a few days later. But nobody cares about the retraction. They only care about what he first said. Yep. And so that, I think, is what a lot of people are are struggling with and justifiably so. But I think we can be much thankful that prayer um, is being encouraged in our schools. I, I think part of the problem, too, is people say, "Don't I don't want the government involved in, in telling me that we have to have prayer. But we have to remember that the government was involved with telling us that we couldn't have prayer in the 1960s when Madeline Mur- Murray O'Hare sued to have prayer removed from schools. The government stepped in and said, okay, you're right, Madeline Murray O'Hare. We can remove prayer. So for the government to get involved on the other side only makes sense. Yep. Same thing with pro-choice people who say, I don't want the government involved in what I can do with my body. Well, they already were when in 1973 they decided for all of us as a country that we had to allow abortion in our states, regardless of how we felt about the issue. So because the government got involved then, for the government to get involved now and say life is important, I think is really the only way to go because they were involved in the 70s and that's why we got where we are. Well, you know, if you don't want the government involved in your religion, don't ever ask the government to be involved in saying someone can't have their own religion. Precedents are there for, you know, a reason. And if you set bad ones, you're going to get bit. That is very true. It it has to go both ways. You can't tell me that I need to stay away from your right to choose, but then I also have to pay for you to kill a baby. You can't tell me that I don't have the right to pray and then tell me that, you know— I've got to support your right to slander me. Yeah, I, it doesn't. That does make not compute. Sense. So I think we, I think we have a lot to be thankful for. I think you need people need to realize that this is not a vendetta against people who don't pray. It's just saying we know that there's power in prayer, and we appreciate the the right to pray. And if you realize that the reason the pilgrims came here was freedom from religious oppression then it puts it into perspective that that's why we're here is to have the freedom to observe our, to practice our faith the way that we uh, feel most led to do so. So I think it's important for us to keep that perspective. All right. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode a little unconventional, uh, but I think it came together nicely. We talked about uh, the Olympics coming up. 
this summer and we talked about uh, prayer coming back to the schools. I think it's a great thing. We'll see how God works through this issue. And I hope that you will continue to pray for the 2020 election um, and that God will raise up leaders that will honor him and give him the glory. And as that happens, I believe our nation can still thrive. And just to say one word about that, I don't think that um, having trusting God to help our nation thrive means that we're putting the nation above God. I think some people fear that and they say that, but we have to remember that a lot of the a lot of the scriptures where it talks about the government were written to societies where they didn't have a say, where yep. they just had a dictatorship and they didn't have any say on whether it would be godly or not. But if we have the opportunity to put righteous people into office, we should exercise that opportunity. And we should applaud people for doing the right thing, even if they don't do it the way we want them to, or even if um, we don't agree with everything they do. And so I think that's where we are at. And we may address this again later this year on a future episode. I try not to get too political, but I will always stand up for the rights of us to vote and decide who our leaders are, because without that right, we would be in dire straits and not be able to have any of the freedoms which we now enjoy. So with that, I will say have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.